Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this time in your word and that we have the freedom to be here and to open the word on our laps. We are so blessed. I thank you for uh, just this time and we pray, Lord, that we would learn whatever you have for us tonight. Maybe it'll just be one thing, but we pray we can take hold of that one thing and go home and go to um, our sphere of influence and use that. So, Lord, we thank you that we have your word, and we have this freedom. In Jesus' name, amen. So last time we studied the discipline of submission, which we discussed all disciplines come back to. Submission being that complete surrender to the Lord in our lives, no matter what area we may be discussing. So we discussed the posture of godliness. We also discussed discipline itself, and it came down to being humble and compliant, ultimately to the Lord, in living a spirit-controlled life. And so tonight, we're going to discuss the discipline of prayer and worship, the posture of the heart. And I'm sure we all desire to be more disciplined in these areas, to be humble and compliant to what God has for us in our worship and prayer time, individually as well as corporately. Books have been written, obviously, on prayer and worship, and this is not going to be an exhaustive study on the topic, but hopefully an encouragement that these are vital disciplines we as women desiring to live for God can implement into our lives. And so I'm going to start with Second Chronicles 25, 1, verse 2. Amaziah was 25 years old when he became king, and he reigned 29 years in Jerusalem. His mother na mother's name was Johadan of Jerusalem, and he did what was right in the sight of the Lord, but not with a loyal heart. And that really caught my attention. He did what's right, but not with a loyal heart. And compared to Joash, his father, Amaziah faithfully continued his policies. Yet some of those policies permitted compromises, such as the allowing of continued sacrifices and incense offering on the high places. And you can look at 2 Kings 14, 1 through 4 to look more about, more about this. Compared to David, the greatest human king to reign over the people of God, Amaziah did not match up favorably. The root idea of the Hebrew word translated loyal that we're reading in the New King's New King James version that I just read you is perfect in the King James. And so it means being whole or complete. So Amaziah did what was right but not with a whole or complete heart. Imperfection of heart consists in incomplete surrender. And I'm sure we've all been there. Incomplete surrender. And I'm going to give you a quote from a commentator. Some chamber of the temple, talking about the heart, is retained for selfish purposes. What it was in the case of Amaziah, we are not told. But the fact remains that notwithstanding the general direction of his life, the whole heart was not set on doing the will of God. And so may our whole heart be set on doing the will of God. And I'm sure it's not all the time because none of us are perfect. Another biblical account we can look at is the one of the man who had two sons in Mark 21, 28 through 31. But what do you think? A man had two sons and he came to the first and said, son, go work today in my vineyard. He answered and said, I will not. But afterward, he regretted it and went. 
Then he came to the second son and likewise said the same thing. And he answered and said, I go, sir. But he did not go. Which of the two did the will of his father? They said to him, the first. Jesus said to them, Assuredly, I say to you that tax collectors and harlots enter the kingdom of God before you. So this could be a whole teaching in and of itself. But to quickly sum it up, the first son refused to work for his father. He didn't want to bend to the father's will. Yet later, he regretted it and he went. He spoke wrong, but he did right. The second son said, I go, sir, but he did not go. The second son said the right thing, and he said it with respect, sir. But he did not do what he said he would. Which of the two did the will of his father? So the point of the parable is obviously clear. What matters is living for God, not saying the right words. And the religious leaders were good at talking righteous talk, but their stubbornly unrepentant hearts showed that repentant sinners would enter the kingdom before them. Jesus warned the hypocrites with the words of Isaiah 29.13 in Mark 7.6. He answered and said to them, Well did Isaiah prophesy of you hypocrites, as it is written, This people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. And so with that quick background, worship and prayer are primarily internal activities a posture of the heart. And that was a great song that Christy shared about the inside of me. I was like, that was perfect. And I didn't know what she was going to sing. But it's so true. It's about what's inside, the posture of the heart. So prayer and worship are very big topics. And I rolled them into one because I think you truly cannot have one without the other. If you look at the biblical definition of worship, it means reverence, homage, to regard with great or extravagant respect, honor or devotion to one in order to express respect or to make supplication. So in that, to make supplication is what we kind of think of as prayer. So it goes together. Um, Prayer means intercession, supplication, a hymn, which we kind of think of worship. And so they do blend together. And prayer obviously is ultimate communion with God. And I'm sure you guys have all heard things like, oh, the worship was so good tonight. Um, Or I don't really care for worship at that church. Um, Our worship could be better here. Um, Oh, if they only sang more hymns, then, you know, our worship would be good. Then we'd have great worship. And someone said that to me recently here. I I met them and they're like, oh, you know, the worship's okay here. And, um, but, you know, we'd really be nice if we had more hymns. And I said, well, ask Matt. I'm sure he'll play you a hymn. Um, But I would, I also told them, though, I said, If you knew our worship team, their hearts are right before the Lord. And that's more important than anything else. And on top of that, I feel they're talented and they use their gifts for the Lord. So truly, it goes back to the posture of the heart, our own heart. Worship is to encompass all of life, not just something we relegate to Sunday morning or Tuesday night or Wednesday night. The worship language of the Old Testament is changed in the New Testament. We do not need to go to the temple to worship God. We are to worship God at all times under the new covenant. It is our lifestyle, ultimately, a lifestyle of reverence and devotion to God. And corporate worship should just be an extension of what we already do, continual worship. Here's another quote. Every single time I confess my reliance 
and submit my life to God's will in a particular area, I am worshiping God as surely as any sincere Israelite offering a lamb in obedience to God's plan. And so it comes down to our lifestyle. Romans 12.1, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And other versions say, which is your spiritual service of worship. So are we called to pray and are we called to worship? And I think you guys know the answer to that. Yes, Ephesians 6.18, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. 1 Thessalonians 5.16-18, through 18, rejoice always, pray without ceasing, in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Psalm 29.12, give unto the Lord the glory due unto his name. Worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. And we could give countless scriptures. That's just to wet your tongue, but you know, we've got so many. We want to be in the will of God. I know we all do. Praying is one way to be sure we are there as well as giving thanks. And as we said, presenting our bodies a living sacrifice, all definitely forms of worship. Prayer is a source of power for growth and perseverance in our spiritual lives. It bends our will to God's will, not his will to ours. And so when we pray, we just get in line with what he wants to do. And is it possible to pray without ceasing, to pray always? It is because it is a posture of the heart. Where is our heart at at any given moment? Colossians 3, 1 through 3. If you then were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on the things on the earth. For you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. And so we must always be looking up. And in so doing, we are praying and we are worshiping. Whether we're driving, working, cleaning the house, watching the kids or grandkids, shopping, folding clothes, pray for others. You can be praying for others. I was at our um, son's home who has five little guys. His wife was out of town and I came and helped watch the kids so he could go to work and they're between one and nine. And he's like, hey, there's laundry in the dryer and the sheets need to be put on the bed. And could you just clean up a little? And, you know, because his wife was out of town. So I took that opportunity to help him. But also when I was folding clothes, I could pray for him, you know, for his, when I folded his clothes, I could pray for his wife. I could pray for the kids as I'm folding their clothes. And so you could take opportunities to lift a prayer. And it doesn't have to be long, drawn-out prayer, but you can just lift them up to the throne of God. And so it's a great opportunity. And we talked about taking opportunities last study. So Psalm 40, verse 8. I delight to do your will, O my God, and your law is within my heart. And so you have all probably heard of the acronym for prayer, ACTS, A-C-T-S. But I believe it can go for worship as well. And so we're going to go over that. Adoration, A is for adoration. Colossians 1, 15 through 18 says, He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by him all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, 
All things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things. And in him all things consist. And he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he may have the preeminence. And so adoration begins with knowing who he is. He is the creator, the sustainer, the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end. All was created through him and for him. And unfortunately, we have gotten our eyes on ourselves and we think worship, we can think worship is about us. And I'm sure we have all done it. Um, while the worship was so good, the teaching was so good today, eh, it wasn't so good today, or it was this or that. Um, we've all done it, but it's all fine and good. But hopefully the reason that worship is good is that the Lord ministered to your heart. And most importantly, he was glorified. And that's where we have to get our heart right. Our number one goal should be him. And this is our goal on Sunday, but also every day of the week. May God be glorified in what I say and do, how I live, how I react, etc. And it takes discipline to remember that what we are doing when we gather for Sunday morning worship is or should be only extension of what has been going on in our lives all week long. Adoration is telling God what we treasure about him in worship and in prayer. And there's so much. Many of our worship songs are all about this. Here we truly worship. Here we proclaim who he is. And in our private time, we can adore him through our time in the word, through our memorizing of scripture, through what we see in the world around us. And we had some uh, baby hummingbirds this couple months ago. We had this tiny little nest in our tree. And it just made me realize, wow, God is amazing. Because these tiny, two little tiny eggs and this little hummingbird mom sitting on them. And of course, she'd get scared and fly away so we could take a peek at it. But the nest was so little, the eggs were so little, and then the babies were born. And they were so tiny. And I couldn't even tell they were birds. And to think they had a complete circulatory system, a heart and lungs, I was, I was just blown away. I was so fascinated. And then the wind came. We had really bad windy days. And I thought, there is no way that little nest is going to stay on that branch because it was going like this, literally. And it stayed. And they survived. And we got to see them fly away. We got to see their last day in the nest. They were stuffed in there. It was so funny. I was like, like whether they were brothers, sisters, whatever they were, I could hear them saying to each other, you're taking up too much space. <laughs> because they were so crunched in there. And finally, one took off. And that afternoon, the other one took off. But it was so cool that you used to go, wow, Lord, you are amazing. And in doing that, you are adoring him. So Psalm 19, 1 through 2 in the New Living Translation, the heavens proclaim the glory of God. The skies display his craftsmanship. Day after day, they continue to speak. Night after night, they make him known. So many things make him known. As we truly adore the Lord in our heart through prayer and worship, this devotion can be a yielding of every part of ourselves, every ambition, every relationship, and every hope to him. Submission to God's will is the true heart of worship and prayer. And as we do this, our needs are met. We are lifted above the junk of this world. As we look up, we don't look around. Um, and the cares of life, and we can begin to have a right relationship with God and with other people. 
The next uh, letter is C in Acts for confession. The importance of confession obviously cannot be overstated. Psalm 66, 18 through 20 says, If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear. But certainly God has heard me. He has attended to the voice of my prayer. Blessed be God who has not turned away my prayer, nor his mercy from me. But unconfessed sin makes us avoid prayer because we're either embarrassed or feel condemned and God seems distant. But confession restores our right relationship with him. Humility then leads back to praise. Revelation 4.11, You are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things, and by your will they exist and were created. And so there we are, back to adoration and praise. And this is prayer, this is worship, which can easily then lead to thanksgiving. The T in Acts is thanksgiving. Psalm 100, verse 4, Enter his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful to him and bless his name. And it can be a sacrifice to give thanks because it's selfless. It's not selfish. You have to look out from where you are and it's looking out and not in. And yesterday I had a crummy attitude. I just had a bad attitude. My husband's like, what's wrong? I got a bad attitude. I was just crabby. And, you know, he reminded me, look up, look up. You know, you got to get your eyes up and not at what I'm seeing or frustrated with. And um, he's just good at that. And so it is truly can be a sacrifice because we don't want to do it. We want to stay in our poor me pity party sometimes. And so Psalm 107, 22, let them sacrifice the sacrifices of thanksgiving and declare his works with rejoicing. Psalm 116, 17, I will offer to you the sacrifice of thanksgiving and will call upon the name of the Lord. Colossians 2, 7, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith as you have been taught, abounding in it with thanksgiving. And abounding is to exceed a fixed number of measures to be left over and above a certain number of measure. And so we're to be abounding in thanksgiving. And like I said, my husband's so good at that. He just walks around saying, praise the Lord, we are so blessed. God is so good. And he just has this constant thankful heart. And it's such a good example to me. Colossians 4.2, continue earnestly in prayer, being vigilant in it with thanksgiving. And vigilant is give strict attention to Give strict attention to being thankful. Revelation 7.12, saying, Amen, blessing and glory and wisdom, thanksgiving and honor and power and might. Be to our God forever and ever. Amen. And so look up the word thanks or thanksgiving in a concordance, and you are going to find numerous verses that encourage us to give thanks. And the last letter, S, for supplication. Here is where we ask. We look to the Lord for his direction in a situation, with a relationship, for healing. Maybe that is physical, emotional, or whatever it might be. And we all know what it means to ask because that's probably where we go first. We ask for our prodigals to come home. We ask for our children and grandchildren to follow hard after the Lord. We ask for our needs to be met, our bills to be paid for wisdom in decision-making, to sell a car, to buy another, etc. We ask more, probably, than we do anything else when we pray. So I'm going to give you, as we close up here, 
practical ways and tips to help us be more disciplined to pray and worship. And these are just some things to help you get more disciplined. And believe me, I've got a long way to go. So I'm just telling you things that I work on, but I fall really short of it. But one of them is to prepare your heart for a worship service. So when you're coming in on Sunday morning, instead of being late, plan to be early. And before the day, know what you're going to wear the next day. Know where your Bible is and any papers you need to take. Anything you need to take, know where it all is so that you can grab it and be on time. Because when you're late, you miss out on a very important part of the service. And this time prepares our heart for the word that's going to be spoken. And so I really encourage you to prepare your heart for a worship service and do practical things to prepare to be there on time. Another uh, practical thing you can do is with worship songs. They can actually be prayers for others. You know the song, Open the Eyes of My Heart, Lord. Well, I pray that for my kids. Open the eyes of their heart, Lord. As I'm singing and as I'm worshiping, I'm saying that about me, but I'm also praying for them. And so it can be a time where you can actually pray for others. Um, so like I said, don't be late for this important part. Um, when I'm reading, listening to the radio or you know, at home alone, sometimes I have the sweetest times with the Lord with the radio on and worship music or in the car alone. And they can be sweet times with the Lord and you can really be in prayer. You can use the word to pray, to help, to help us pray in ways we can't or we have difficult times praying. And I have shared with you before my scripture-based prodigal prayers. And it keeps me in line with the word and helps me focus. And so find those verses that help you to pray specifically or get some scripture-based books that will help you if you need those, and I need them. So an example of a scripture prayer uh, that I found this week it was Matthew 9:38. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. And so I took that verse and said, Lord of the harvest, send out workers into the harvest field of our children's lives. Let them encounter your people wherever they go and let them share your love with them in ways they cannot miss. Speak to them through your people. And so you can take a verse and springboard off of it and pray for whoever you want to. Another thing to do for praying is praying out loud in the car or at home or wherever you can pray out loud. Um, when we had our ladies retreat, we all got 10 names to pray for. And so I took those 10 names and I took them in the car. And when I would do my errands, I would pray out loud for each woman. And now Vacation Bible School is coming up and I have seven kids that I'm going to be in a cooking class with. And so they're in, my, in, the, they're in the car. <laughs> Their names are in the car. They're not in the car. <laughs> and I'm praying for them when I do my errands out loud. Because if I pray out loud, I don't get as distracted as if I try to pray in my mind. So... That's another thing that helps. Praying on the spot for someone. You know, and that's hard to do. Sometimes we just don't do it. But today I met for coffee with a gal that she lives in Scottsdale. I live here. We've been friends since our kids were little. And every couple months we meet. And we always end. We just hold hands right at the coffee shop and we finish in prayer. And so pray on the spot. Just, just do it. So um, another thing is to set a time to pray. And I know that's hard. Um, sometimes... You know, it's just difficult, but 
you, your mind can wander. And so set a time to pray. Like I'm going to get up at six o'clock and I'm going to pray for five minutes, even if it's just five minutes and put a pad of paper next to you to jot down any distractions that pop into your mind. You know, the laundry needs to be moved. Oh, I never moved that last night. I mean, all these things come into our mind. Our Aunt Sally needs to be called. I oh, God, can't forget to call her today. All those things come into my mind. And so you jot them down so you can go back to praying. Um, you can set the timer to get you started with this discipline. And that's what I used to do with my Bible reading. And now I, I, you know, once you get into it, you don't want to stop. And so, and when the kids were little, I had to do this more often to at least get that amount of time in. But you can set the timer to get you can, you know, going with this discipline. You can say, I'm going to just set it for five minutes. I am not moving for five minutes. I am praying for five minutes. So anything is a blessing. So that's another way to get you started in this discipline. And here's a balance, a quote I found. Don't kill your prayer life with some legalistic commitment to pray for a lengthy set amount of time. Often the best prayers are short and passionate. Make your prayers frequent and fervent. So when you're in the car, when you're folding the clothes, they could just be here and there. It doesn't, you know, have to be all in an hour, right, as you start your day. So... And then the, another thing that's awesome, and this isn't really a discipline, this is just something to know that the Spirit is there doing a work. When we fail, the Spirit is there doing a work for us. Romans 8, 26 through 27. Likewise, the Spirit also helps us in our weaknesses, for we do not know what we should pray for as we ought. But the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. And you, look, you can look at um, in Hebrews 2, and there's another comparable verse. But praying in the Spirit, this can happen at home when you're so weary, you don't even know how to pray. And I've been there with some really difficult things in my life, like, Lord, I don't even know how to pray for this situation. And it can happen while you're listening to the radio or you're at a worship service. God lifts you above what you are feeling through yielding to worship him. The Holy Spirit fills us. He does the work for us. He gives our tired body strength and lifts us to prayer with power and conviction. And so it's such a blessing when the Holy Spirit comes in and does the work that we can't do at a certain time. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for who you are. We are so blessed and the heavens do declare your handiwork, Lord, and help us to take notice of that. Help us to take notice of how you are active in our lives day by day. Help us to pray more often, frequent and fervent. Any opportunity that we have, help us to take it, Lord, and to, to use it for your glory. So we thank you, Lord, that we have this opportunity at our fingertips. Nobody can take it from us. We can pray. We can worship. And we thank you for that. Bless our time in our small groups. In Jesus' name, amen.